OSL is the leading distributor of radiotherapy patient positioning equipment and physics QA products for the UK and Ireland, supplying both the NHS and private sectors. We are currently running winter lunchtime on-site sessions discussing the superficial and ortho-voltage treatment portfolio that we distribute for WOMED, owned by Baybig. This comprehensive KV unit portfolio ranges from energies of 50 to 300 KV with excellent patient and staff safety features and we offer an incredible service and support package for your engineering team to ensure a smooth and efficient service for your patients. Please do get in touch if you require further information. And finally, as always, do not hesitate to discuss your product and service requirements with our friendly and knowledgeable account specialists as and when required. We are all from a radiotherapy background and we are more than happy to chat about the clinical benefits and the workflow of all of our products. Please go to our website at www.osl.uk.com or if you would like to speak to us, please call 01743 462 694. Hi, my name is Laura and I work at Convensys as a partnerships manager. Join us at the NHS Oncology Conference on the 6th of June 2023 in Manchester. We will open the debate on how the NHS is planning to lean on new models of delivery and innovation to help manage the current treatment backlogs and improve outcomes on a national scale. All tickets are free for the NHS to attend. To register for your free ticket, visit convensis.co.uk. everyone and welcome to RadChat, the first therapeutic radiographer-led oncology podcast. So welcome to podcast number 75. Happy New Year to you all. My name is Jane McNamara and I'm joined by fellow host Norman Jolka Anderson. Hi everyone. So a big thank you to our last guest JJ who talked about his experience of having cancer and the role healthcare professionals played in his cancer pathway. If you haven't had a chance yet, please do go and take a listen. So we're really pleased to introduce our guest for this evening, Dr. Lucy Gossage, who will be discussing 5K Your Way and Move Against Cancer. Hello, Lucy. Nice to have you on. Hello. Thanks for having me. And congratulations on your one year birthday. (laughs) Oh, thank you very much. I can't believe it's been a year already. Um, slightly scary but yeah lots lots done but we're in a new year now so woohoo lots more to go <laughs> oh, amazing well. you're doing amazing work <laughs> uh, so for Lucy anyone who doesn't know you can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your job uh, yeah, so I'm an oncologist. Um, I work in Nottingham. I treat uh, sarcomas and um, germ cell tumours, so testicular cancers. So I do quite a lot of work with younger people, but I have patients of all ages. Um, I also do a huge amount of um, work with Move Charity, uh, particularly 5K UA Move Against Cancer. Um, I'm really passionate about supporting people to um, supporting people impacted by cancer to to kind of get active and be active. Uh, I've got a background as a professional triathlete, which kind of gave me the the whole interest in in movement. Um, And that can be a great asset, but it's actually a big barrier because people assume that when I talk about being active, it's just because I love it. Uh, And um, they don't necessarily understand that there is quite a lot of evidence behind it. Uh, But yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Clear and concise. (laughs) I love it. Lucy, for anyone who doesn't know what an oncologist is, how do you differ to maybe other healthcare professionals? Um, So there are actually two kinds of oncologists. So oncologists treat cancer with drugs. So it used to be just chemotherapy, but now we call it, we tend to call it systemic anti-cancer treatment because we've got immunotherapy, we've got targeted drugs as well. Um, and then radiotherapy. Um, so I'm a medical oncologist, so I just use drugs. Clinical oncologists uh, use radiotherapy and drugs. Um, so what is, a, it's quite an interesting discussion actually, I'm going off on a tangent, but what is the role of an oncologist? You might assume from what I've just said that it's just prescribing the drugs. Um, but actually I think probably our biggest role, because in in cancer, particularly with the rare cancers, so the cancers that I treat are, are generally quite uncommon and there's not necessarily a, a straightforward treatment path. Um, there's it, like breast cancer, thousands of trials and it's very clear cut in a lot of situations what the best treatment would be for at whatever whatever stage. I think in the in the less common cancers, my role is to some extent to to give patients 
the information that they need in a way that they can understand so that they can make the right decision for them. And the longer I do it, the more I realize that it's, you know, prescribing drugs is is often the end point, but actually you can have 10 people with the same diagnosis and the same medical history and each patient will choose a different path because of what their priorities are. So it's really important as oncologists, we understand what matters to a patient as well as what the options are and help kind of signpost them appropriately. Um, And I guess my passion for exercise is because prescribing drugs and drugs can control cancer and they can have an amazing, you know, effect on the cancer, but they can also cause significant side effects. And exercise, I, I really believe so passionately in treating people, patients as people, Um, And exercise is something positive that anyone with cancer can do that will make themselves feel better. So it's like it's a really nice antidote to all the, you know, when we we talk about drugs, you have to consent patients and go through all the hundreds of potential side effects. And I hate it because no one gets all of the side effects, but you have to tell them about everything, obviously. Um, But yeah, the kind of complementary therapies of which exercise is one is just a really positive outlet um, with very few side effects. So um yeah and I'm working with a charity I, I talk too much so please interrupt me working with a charity that just has a yes kind of attitude you have an idea and they're like yes yeah let's do it we'll do it and um compared to the NHS who you have an idea and they're like oh there's a lot of red tape there's a lot of bureaucracy it probably won't work there's a risk assessment no you need 28 risk assessments <laughs> so the charity is like a breath of fresh air <laughs> and you talked about triathlon um I followed you for ages before 5k away it wasn't just it wasn't just a little bit of professional triathlete being a professional triathlete sorry you did quite a lot traveling around the world oh I had a great time I had um yeah I had two and a half years out as a full-time athlete so I actually I got into triathlon as a drunken dare when a relationship ended that's a very long story um I got good at triathlon because I moved to Cambridge to do a PhD stopped seeing patients hated the PhD had no job satisfaction And that's how I got good at triathlon. And then I got quite good and got my pro license. And then I had two and a half years as a full-time athlete and then went back to work part-time. Continued racing, actually, as I was finishing my reg training. So I I raced part-time, worked part-time and actually had a couple of my best ever years. And then retired probably two, just before lockdown, actually, kind of retired fully. Um, But I think... uh, you know triathlons it was an amazing time it, it just oh I had so many adventures um but it, it changed my career in so many ways so before before triathlon I was just climbing this career ladder without really thinking about where the top was so I was just getting to the top whatever the top was as quickly as possible and because that first year the PhD was so so tough it forced me to to take a step back and think actually where where do I really want to go and um you know, I've, I now, my career, I, I still work part-time. Um, I'm not at the top. I need, my reg training took me, I think it took me 14 years. And that's like unheard of for anybody who hasn't got kids. But I, I, I believe that I'm a better oncologist because I, I'm not in the hospital five days a week because I have other outlets, because I have time for myself. And um, I feel like triathlons really left me such a, yeah, it's given me these amazing experiences, but it's left me such a better rounded person than I would have been and a happier person as well. Um, so I think, you know, again, apologies, I do go off on tangents, but medical students so often they come up to me and they're, you know, they say, oh, I want to take a year in Australia or I want to have a year out and they're really worried about what might happen. And um, one of the one of the most helpful things that anyone said to me, I went to talk to my supervisor when I'd, um, I was, I was, I'd sent him an email on the Friday to say, I want to go part-time to race triathlon professionally. I thought I'll send it on a Friday so you can mull it over the weekend and I won't just blurt out lots of stuff and lots of, I just want to go and ride my bike around the world. I won't do very well. But, um, anyway, he was amazingly supportive. He was this really academic guy. And, um, one of the questions I said was, what do you think will happen when it comes to applying for consultant jobs? And he turned around and he said to me, Lucy, the kind of people who think what you're about to do is a bad thing and not the kind of people that you want to work with. And it was such a helpful bit of advice. So I know you get a lot of students listening to this. And I, 
we've got so much time working for the NHS and you know that's always going to be there but all these experiences that you can have along the way take the scenic route (laughs) don't just race to the top um so yeah that's my my life lesson for for tonight (laughs) managers all over the country are like no absolutely not you are not allowed to go and tour the world we need you to come and help us I know but isn't it better to have people who are you know, who are there for the long haul rather than a, a community that are there until they're 45 and then they get burnt out or, um, yeah, and experience, you know, you guys, what you guys are doing, it's you're changing your careers. You're not just following a, a standard pathway. And I, 5K your way would never have happened with that triathlon and, and you know, all the stuff that I'm doing with Move Charity. So you just never know where it will take you. But the scenic route is so often a good one. <laughs> So Lucy, what what is 5k away? Uh, Interesting, because I've got COVID, so I wasn't at our team day, but the team day today was actually about thinking about our mission statement. So very simplistically, what is is 5k your way? So we're an active support group uh, with a difference. We are groups of people affected by cancer in any way who meet at park runs on the last Saturday of every month. And get together to walk, to jog, to run, to cheer or to volunteer and then have a coffee and tea afterwards. Um, That's what we are. What's our mission? So when we started, we just we had no idea. We just wanted to create a local group in Nottingham. Um, And it was actually based. uh, The idea came when I I walked onto the ward. I was a registrar and I saw a young patient who's probably about 21. He'd theoretically been cured of a brain tumour. Um, but in the process he had put on, I don't know, stones and stones and stones in weight. He'd lost his job, he'd lost his friends and he's spending all his days asleep and all his nights playing computer games. And he wasn't even my patient, but I just went to give him, I can't remember, prescribed some iron or something and, um, and walked off and just came away and thought, what is, like, what's the point in curing people of cancer if that's what they're left with? And, I loved Park Run. I knew that there was some evidence around kind of being active. So I just thought, well, why don't we try and get a group of young people to to build up together once every three months to do a Park Run? And, um, you know, surely having that target, having that challenge would be would be something positive. And I didn't get any support from anyone in the hospital. They just kind of said, yeah, no, you're just a runner, you know, no one will want to do it. So then I heard about Gemma, who'd found a move charity, um, we met, had coffee, and we thought, well, actually, let's just give it a go in Nottingham. Let's just see what happens. So that was all all we were trying to do. Um, and we had a meet-up in Nottingham, and then... Um, sorry, there's a fly or something. I don't know how I've got a fly in the middle of December. <laughs> yeah, we had a meeting in a meet up in Nottingham in June 2018. It was just the most uplifting Saturday morning. Um, we'd got a, a group that does exercise classes for people with cancer in Nottingham kind of on board so so they came down got some people from the hospital to come down um, and just thought you know what let's do this once a month it, it doesn't have to be anything so I guess my point is we we were nothing when we started we just a group of people meeting at a park run once a month and then through social media people heard about it and wanted to set up their own groups and all of a sudden there was a snowball um I guess my point is what we are now is not what we set out to be and what we are now we don't actually even really know the full potential I think we we are so my experience is based on the Nottingham group which has obviously been going for a long time and it's it's flourishing it's all ages it's all demographics and I think the the bit that strikes me with this is that it's a very supportive community that inspires and empowers people impacted by cancer to be active but not just to be active to actually because they're active and they see other people being active to live full lives despite their cancer diagnosis and I think there is an element of just by existing just by having 5k away groups all around the country people with cancer when they're diagnosed who have heard about us have a bit of hope because they they think well there's 5k away groups around the country can life doesn't necessarily have to end when we when when just because we're diagnosed and and a friend said yeah that that came out from a friend who was diagnosed and he knew about 5k your way I told him loads of times it just kind of gone in one ear over the other um and then when he was diagnosed he he said I get it I get it like he couldn't walk he had spinal cord compression he couldn't walk but he said I am going to I'm going to do 5k my way 
when I get out of here. And he did. It was eight months later, but he did. But for him, it was that. And obviously not everyone does get to that stage, but it was that hope. And I think if we can break down the stigma that exercise is bad, if we can get out the message that it's safer to be active than it is to be inactive, um, and if we can show that life with cancer, even with really advanced cancer, can be really good, then that's a really powerful thing. And we've got Roger, who's he's 78 with bowel cancer. He won't mind me saying this. He's, his cancer's, his chemo's stopped working. It's, it's stopped. And he still comes down and he walks. He, he, when he was on treatment, actually, he used to volunteer. And then he decided on his 78th birthday he was going to walk the 5K with his friends and family. And when he finished, it was... He had the feeling that I had when I used to win an Ironman. It was just amazing. Um, So, yeah. Just casually dropping in that you used to win Ironmans as well. (laughs) I think one other thing just to add with what you said about 5k away, the ethos, it's not, it doesn't just have to be the person living with and beyond cancer. I've been to groups, even the one at Nottingham, where someone's come along and said, you know, my other half, they died from cancer recently, but they used to love walking, so I'm here for them. Yeah. And even that legacy side, I love that because... They would have heard about it a while ago. Maybe their partner, their loved one came, but they were feeling confident enough if you want to join and just be there in memory. And that's quite nice. And I know that person has come back a few times to the Nottingham one. Yeah, uh, that's nice afterwards. Yeah, that's really true. And we've got a lady, you know, my, my honestly, the number of people I meet who just inspire me through this, a lady called Jackie, and she had breast cancer several years ago, actually, but she was left with... um really severe damage in her hips because of her treatment so she's not affected currently by cancer she's her cancer's in the past but the consequence of her treatment are very much impacting her life and she walks on crutches and she saw (coughs) saw, she came down one week said she'd do like a k did 2k or something then saw roger do the 5k and was like well if roger can do it i can so the next time she did it on her <laughs> that crutches. could be a strap line couldn't it if roger can do it i can do it <laughs> yeah so um yeah it's amazing it's just so inspiring and it's such a such an uplifting thing i mean i know there are we're a long way from from being perfect and there are lots of things that we need to iron out and um you know it can be really hard for groups to get going because how do you how do you spread the word how do you I think there are definite barriers in that um you know the name part run that puts off a lot of people so we are very much an active walking group um you know people run if they want to they jog if they want to but nothing makes me happier than when we get people who come down and walk and actually you know like I said just said Jackie who walked a kilometer um and then built up to walk five kilometers that's incredible um and roger and doreen roger's what doreen's roger's wife they came down and volunteered and they still got that community so i think the the community having the community that gets it um is is really important and you know even volunteering you're still out there in the fresh air you're you're getting to see other people um you get the social side of it um and i think i i I hope compared to a lot of other support groups which are generally focused on talking about problems and and you know yeah this is just getting out there doing stuff you can talk about cancer if you want to but you don't have to but every group's different and um there's no yeah there's a, we don't know you know we we i'm sure we don't even know there are ways that groups will be helpful that we don't even know about yet i was gonna say lucy have you ever done any research into the impact of 5k your way so we, we did um <laughs> we got a public health student to do it and the project was all designed uh early 2020 and then obviously covid came so by the time it was actually done it was kind of august 2020 so it wasn't necessarily representative but i think that's a a big thing for us to do next year um partly to find out from participants what what they like what they don't like what matters to them um particularly people i think you've heard about it who don't come down people who come down once who maybe don't come again and then obviously the regulars um, but also from ambassadors, because each, I haven't really said each group, of which you two are both ambassadors, so thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so each group's led by volunteer ambassadors. Um, each group should have three, there should be two, um, sorry, at least one healthcare professional um, kind of nominated to help promote it. Because it's really hard for someone who's not a healthcare professional to to promote the groups. Um, but I think it's really important to understand from ambassadors 
what they find great, what they find hard. If you know, it can be quite demoralizing if you've got a group that's struggling because you're you're not getting people to come down. Um, no matter how many times you say, if you're just supporting one person, then that's still making a big impact. Actually, if you see other groups that have got 30, 40, it's probably quite hard, I think. Um, so yeah, I think research is, is something that we need to do um, as a priority. But at the same time, I want to do it well, because I don't want to you risk fatigue, survey fatigue, if you if you do lots of kind of little ones, I think we need to do it really well, uh, and get the absolute most out of it that we can do. So the research we did was quite positive, but it was just bad timing. So I'm not convinced it was as good, as helpful as it could have been. And do you revel now in the fact that there is lots of evidence surrounding physical activity and improving cancer outcomes? So there, there is lots of evidence, but um, it frustrates me immensely because healthcare professionals, a lot of healthcare professionals still don't tell patients about, uh, about that evidence. And, you know, if you look on all the charity websites, Cancer Research UK, Macmillan, if you look at, at their list of alternative therapies, none of them, or certainly when I last looked a few months ago, none of them have exercise as a complementary therapy, so something that you can use alongside your treatment to make you feel better. Um, and, and the evidence is growing, like we know it's safe, nearly pretty much for everybody it's safe, we know it makes you feel better, we know it reduces depression, reduces anxiety, improves health-related quality of life. Those are all proven, and it's the best thing that you can use for fatigue. So those are all facts. We don't necessarily know for sure how much of a benefit it has on the cancer treatments and long-term outcomes. But I would argue if you had a drug that did all of those, <laughs> that was free, that made you feel better, that was safe, that you know improved your quality of life, you'd give it to everybody. So at the very least, we we should be telling people that it's safer to be active than it is to be inactive. Um, and I think something I've realised is that actually, a lot of the time, it's just as simple as giving people permission. Because for a lot of people, when they're diagnosed, their loved ones want to wrap them in cotton wool. I don't know if you guys feel think the same. And they just want to protect them. They want to nurture them. They want to do everything for them. And actually just saying that, it's really good to get outside for a walk. It's probably going to, you know, probably the best thing that you can do to make yourself feel better. Just giving them permission to be active is is so important. And I feel really strongly that every patient should have a conversation at the very minimum saying it is safe to be active and it will probably make you feel better. Um, and then you've got on signposting and more formal programs. But um, yeah, so the evidence is there. But I, I think we're not as good as a profession as we, we could be about about telling patients that. I think as well, there's a bit of fear amongst healthcare professionals and taking responsibility for almost prescribing that or giving that permission to exercise. I know I've certainly referred patients before, even to even to physios who go, oh, I'm not a specialist oncology physio, so yeah. I, I don't want to give you that advice. I, you know, I'm a bit nervous. And I certainly know from um, GPs, you know, if if they're not necessarily clued up around oncology, they might be a bit like, oh, it's probably best to ask your oncologist about that. Um, yeah. And that can be quite frustrating when you kind of think, oh, if only they'd just mentioned it a little bit. And that's why I'm like, mention 5K your way and then we can take it from there. <laughs> but Yeah, and I, but I think there's also that a lot of healthcare professionals, exercise is not part of their life. So if exercise, so if I talk to a room of 20 healthcare professionals and ask how many do 30 minutes of exercise three times a week, there's generally two that would say yes. So that's, t that's what, two out of 20, 10%. My, and my brain's gone. But anyway, it's a tiny percentage. So if, if exercise isn't part of your life, then it's only natural to assume, well, someone diagnosed with cancer, they're not going to want to go and exercise. So I think that's, a, yeah, that's, a, that's a, a barrier as well. And and like you say, the NHS has a very uber-cautious attitude. So I, I take myself back, I broke my collarbone as an athlete eight weeks before the Ironman World Championships. And the standard advice for a collarbone is don't lift anything heavier than a kettle for 10 weeks or something and I raced an Ironman eight weeks later I did have it plated but just goes to show the NHS is very very conservative because it doesn't want to get sued um, but actually the evidence contrasts that. I think there's also kind of as you said the personalised care element so for something for one person 
for example, like you doing an Ironman might be normal, but to someone else just walking up and down the stairs, that's enough. But then same as, you know, the people come into parkrun and they build up slowly. It's about setting goals. And I think that's something, you know, everyone should really be trying to do for their patients as well. When we see patients who come through and finish chemo a few weeks before, yes, their baseline stamina might not be great at the moment, but it's showing them that actually through radiotherapy and beyond, it will get back to a new normal or somewhere where they'll feel comfortable. Um, and then finding, you know, like hoovering, for example, is exercise. You can mm. still do that. That's that's enough. That's not lifting. Um, so yeah, it's little things like that. And I think, so So move. So 5K you weigh is one arm of Move Charity and um, Move Charity's got three arms of work. One's an online cancer rehab program for young people up to the age of 30. But the other is educational resources, which is something that is you know we, we we've got a lot of work on we, we need we're trying to redesign the website and things but what I would my vision for that side of the charity is to provide the information to patients so that they can go away and make the decision that's right for them so for example if you're swimming if swimming is your life then and you're suddenly diagnosed with metastatic cancer that's not curable that may be the most important thing to you and there are ways that you can keep swimming even if you're having chemotherapy. And yes, there might be a risk of infection, but that risk for you might be worth taking if swimming's your life. And rather than having a blanket, you know, and a lot, there are so many healthcare professionals out there who are amazingly facilitative and will help patients find their way around obstacles. And that's amazing. But there are also some that aren't just because they don't have the time or the knowledge or the inclination. So I, I've got, I would love to create a resources, a resource of, it's a resource, a library of resources that is searchable so patients can go to swimming with pick line or whatever and make their own decision about whether for them that risk is worth taking or not. Because, you know, for me, going back to that broken collarbone, yeah, there was a risk I could rip the plate, risk the, rip the plate out, but... And I knew that, but it was a small risk. There was a small chance I could race the world championships. And for me, I was going straight back to work two weeks after. It was my last ever Ironman or so, I thought. For me, that, that balance of risk was, I want to do everything I can to get myself a chance of racing at the Ironman world championships. And it was just, it was quite useful kind of experience to go through. Um, that the NHS, you know, it gives very conservative advice. And particularly if you've not, if you've got a, a short life expectancy priorities change and risk benefits change as well and what's important to me might be very different to what's important to you lucy you've obviously told us you're a legal drug dealer as a medical oncologist (laughs) people having chemotherapy there's obviously evidence and i know you've shared this as well around exercising during chemo can you tell us a bit about that as well so I think the the exercising during so I would say that we it is not so I think we have to be very careful about what's actually fact and what is potentially proven and I I think that's a a slight flaw in exercise oncology that there is a tendency to take a very small trial and say this is proof um and you would never do that with a drug um, so I think if you're going to, if this field is going to have accountability amongst people who aren't passionate about it, we have to be a bit careful about saying what's definitely facts. And I think what I've said, facts, it's safe. It reduces fatigue, depression, anxiety, improves quality. All of that is fact. Um, I think exercise during chemotherapy, there is some evidence that it might reduce, so it might improve tolerance. So reduce the number of dose reductions that patients have, reduce side effects. But that's far from proven. Um, and that will obviously be very dif- variable for different treatment regimes and different cancers. There's also some quite interesting, again, very early evidence from mouse studies and animal studies that if you exercise whilst you're having the chemotherapy and actually radiotherapy, um, that can improve the response rates. So it can improve vascularization. So development of blood vessels in the tumor, increased delivery of the blood, um, which has the drug and that you know potentially could explain why it, it improves um, response rates to chemo but that evidence is not proven so it's it's there's quite good animal studies there are very very small this is my understanding you might be aware of a better better evidence but there are some very small studies that are suggestive 
but it's not proven. Um, hopefully it will be. Um, but again, I, I think we just need to be a bit careful about over kind of emphasizing small studies because then that runs the risk of putting big barriers against what, you know, I, I would argue, as, as I've said, if it does everything that we know it does, it's still a really good thing to do. <laughs> and hopefully in five years time, we'll be able to say it does a whole lot more. Um, but I don't think we can say that just yet. Is that is that your understanding, your interpretation? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just interesting how you get patients who are maybe going private and there is a big investment in rowing machines or exercise bikes on chemotherapy wards. And then um, it's just interesting to see them developing that aspect of care um, without necessarily the evidence base behind it. But as well different variations in patient experience as well yeah so we're with our so with our metastatic germ cell patients so we've got a prehab service in nottingham that started fairly recently maybe a year or so ago um and with our metastatic germ cell patients they have a horrible time so they if they're in for a give or take about six months of getting chemotherapy um a little bit less five months say um get home for little bits but are in hospital for big chunks of time and then they would almost certainly have to have surgery after that so i i managed to persuade the prehab team that i could actually we could sell exercising whilst they're having their chemo as prehab because they will all be having surgery so there's no evidence behind this but um it it they like it it's something to do um and i you know we'll never be able to prove with the numbers whether it makes a difference but intuitively you kind of think well if I was put on a bed for six months and not doing you know didn't do anything I would be in a much worse state so if we can just preserve muscular fitness a little bit um and give them something positive that because that's the that's the big thing about exercise so many patients say that they want to do everything that they can do to make their outcome better and exercise is one of the few things that there there is evidence for and it, it's free and it gives them so many people say I'm sure you say this it, it gives them a bit of control back okay so there's lots of research that suggests that actually even if healthcare professionals like Numan and I were to talk to patients and say exercise is really positive um, for you and psychologically it can help you as well as physically um there is research to suggest that it has to come from the oncologist and the doctor. How can we, as society, break down some of those barriers to ensure that patients, and I'm thinking patients listening, also recognise that we can help prescribe exercise or physical activity as well? Oh, that is a really good question, isn't it? Um, I mean, it is still, I think the NHS is... I don't know. I mean, I'm biased because I'm an oncologist and I would like to think that patients don't see me in in a different light to, for example, our specialist nurses. But um, but the reality is they, they probably do. But actually, sometimes, you know, our specialist nurses get very different information from, from patients than I do. So it, it's a different relationship. It's not necessarily they trust one more than the other. Um I I don't know what the answer is. If you're asking me how do we get patients to trust healthcare professionals who aren't doctors as much as they trust their doctors, I don't know, but they should do because so often, you you know, healthcare professionals who aren't doctors offer such a better holistic kind of approach to, to their patients than, than some doctors do. Um, but I think that's really hard. I don't know is the answer. What I do know is that if you do have a, and this is what I try to say, so the, you know, to get someone to stop smoking, I think there's a study that shows you have to, if you tell 30 people, you counsel them to stop smoking, you get one to do it. If you tell 12, you only have to have the, to have that conversation with 12 people to get them to be active. So it's actually better bang for your buck than stopping smoking. Um, but the, the way I try to sell it to my colleagues is, just give it a go because I promise you, you'll get positive feedback when that person comes back. Because <laughs> you do, you invariably do. If you if you can support someone to be active, because it does nearly always, it does make. And and like you said, it might just be hoovering. It might be walking down down to the garden for 
you know, walking down to the end of the road for a minute each day. It might be whatever it is, just moving it. It does make people feel better and you get that feedback. So it's actually a really nice thing to do if you if you kind of can bring yourself to do it. The Moving, Med- web, Moving Medicine website has got um, some really good resources on like the one minute conversation, the five minute conversation and, and kind of give you ideas about how you can bring it, bring it up with patients. Um, and I think there is an element like when is the good time? Um, for me, and a lot of people would say it's the time to do it is not not when you've just told them they've got incurable cancer. But in my experience, it actually is because it's one positive thing that you can give them. Like I might have a long discussion about treatments, about the expected outcomes. I might have told them that it's not curable. Um, all this negative stuff, side effects, gone through the consent form. But actually finishing on a positive and saying, like, I just want to, you know, to let you know that actually you can still be active. It's really important to live your life. You can still do this. You can do that. And, and giving people this can stuff. I think for me, it, is, it actually is the right time to do it. Um, but you just, you know, like, like every conversation, you find the way that's right for them. I didn't answer your question in the slightest. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? I was just going to add to it, to be honest, that I think a lot of the maybe hesitation from some healthcare professionals I work with is confidence you know they might only walk every day they might not do as much running as I do for example it doesn't really matter it's making every kind of contact count isn't it so even if you say to someone well why don't you use the stairs as opposed to taking the lift for example like it is quite it seems quite simple to people who might exercise but to people who don't it seems quite of a big thing I think that's from my experience and I think again that mindset that Joe talked about that relying on maybe the clinician so the oncologist to give that information that could also be because they think well the doctor knows best I'm not saying that you don't Lucy but some of us as Joe and I are trying to say is that well we can say similar things it's yeah go for a walk walk the dog or go out with your friend for to the park whatever it is so I don't know maybe eventually it'll just be people to be a bit more confident that we can give this information out I don't know if that's something you might agree with Joe. I think it's the prescription element. So for a patient who sees a doctor, they typically will go to their clinician, they'll receive their diagnosis and they'll receive, well, this is what your treatment potentially could look like. And I think if exercise is part of that or physical activity, it feels like part of the overall care. Whereas I think some patients who are maybe resistant come into contact with other healthcare professionals later on down the pathway or after they've spoken to the doctor and they're like well the doctor never mentioned exercise you know is that really something that's important because the doctor's told me everything that is actually really important they've given me all the statistics of all my side effects they've given me lots of information about you know how I'm going to be able to live with and beyond cancer and they've been very prescriptive about what I can and can't do whilst I'm on say a chemotherapy drug but not at any point did they mention exercise or physical activity. And then they come to us going, right, okay, so what about joining 5K your way on the weekend? And they're like, oh, well, the doctor didn't mention exercise or physical activity. And I don't know whether that's a mindset. And I'm just thinking about maybe the pathway that patients go through, whether that's sometimes a bit of a restriction. I mean, I, yeah, I'm I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's an element of truth in that, which is really sad, isn't it? Um, I mean, I've had people come to the Nottingham. I love being part of the 5K Your Way group because I get all the gossip. So patients tell me stuff. Like, they're not my patients. They tell me stuff about their oncologists. And... <laughs> I love that. You just do it for the gossip. <laughs> and the hospital. And the, and I feed back the good bits. I'll be like, oh, so-and-so came out. He said how lovely you were when you told him this or whatever. Um, don't feed back the bad bits. But I, I've had a fair few people come down who, like, my oncologist told me that I shouldn't be shouldn't be exercising, and that that actually makes me really um really angry because there's no not angry but just frustrated. Um, but I yeah I hope that we will get to a stage where and this is where the work that you guys are doing and actually medical school like I got no teaching about exercise and and in fact when I was thinking about doing my PhD and that's the whole reason I got good at triathlon was because my PhD was a disaster and it was all like proper science it was awful. But someone did suggest, well, why don't you do a project around exercise and cancer? And I, at that point, was like, well, that's very wishy-washy. That's like, you know, I was climbing this career ladder. I was like, no, that's that, you know, that won't be anything useful. That's not going to be a good, in inverted commas, PhD to do. Um, 
but that just shows my perception. I never, I, I never thought about anything other than drugs as an oncologist. And um, I don't think I got anything at medical school about exercise, really. Like, literally nothing. So I think if we can get... And that's where we were talking before we started recording about getting students on board with 5K Your Way. Because that's great, because then they're seeing, you know, movement in action with people living with sometimes incurable cancer, sometimes you know people with a very very short life expectancy if they realize that that's possible then that's that you know who knows what they'll go and do when with their patients so and it's role modeling good behaviors isn't it i know that uh when i was working clinically i had um the complementary therapies available and there was hypnotherapy and i went what are we doing why are we sending patients for hypnotherapy this is ridiculous And I had a very sensible mentor as a newly qualified. And she said, I think you ought to go to the complementary therapy center and have some hypnotherapy. I'm not joking. I came out like I was walking. I was like, what happened the last hour? (laughs) I don't remember anything. All I know is I feel really calm and relaxed. And whether or not anything happened, I don't know. But honestly, I can't remember that hour where I had someone. But you were hypnotized to think hypnosis. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. But I was then a huge advocate and I was like, look, you're going, you've got head and neck cancer. You're going to have to have a head show on. Um, if you're claustrophobic, I can, I personally can recommend hypnotherapy because it is really relaxing and it's something that maybe might help you ahead of, ahead of having um, an immobilization device made. And I think that's the same with 5k your way. Um, and other charities that potentially are offering prehab and rehab services where people get to experience it and can then advise patients based on their experiences. Like, actually, do you know what? Walking in the rain and chatting to complete strangers may sound bizarre, but there is something uplifting about it. And and actually, you do go home and go, do you know what? I've had a really nice morning. Yes, my knickers are soggy, but... It's been a nice morning and I've enjoyed myself and I've got to connect with other people and have conversations that I maybe would not have ordinarily have had. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, yeah, I had a, I saw a patient the other day, I was climbing the stairs in the hospital, it was two flights and um, they were on chemo, like they were pretty, I'd seen them in clinic, they were pretty wiped out and they were there powering up the stairs and they were like, I feel better because I always use the stairs to get there and I always use the stairs to come home. Um, but I yeah as a you know as an oncologist I I just feel so privileged for the friendships that I've made um through 5k UA and I've got to know people that come in on a level that you'd never get to know never ever in a million years as as their doctor and that I'm not their doctor um and actually I talk about the gossip but it's actually it teaches me more than I'll ever realize but um I think it's also and I've written something I haven't actually shared it because I'm not sure where I'm not sure how to share it, but it can be really sad um, as well. It's like the most uplifting thing, but it's also really hard when people who become friends die. It's very different to patients dying. Um, and I think that's something I hadn't really thought about when we when we started it, that I would make friends through this. Never kind of thought about that. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, can be tough sometimes. <laughs> The community element of it is what really stands out and I think that's what drew me to it um, that although people will come in float in and out of the group when they need it so exactly as we said some people might want to come pre-treatment some might come six months post-treatment whenever they can but um, when people die within the group obviously everyone grieves together but you're still in it together I suppose and I think yeah it's always going to stand out for me was that person's husband who came after their wife had died three months ago just because so oh, well you know she loved walking so I've come to do it and that's yeah that's what really stuck with me yeah yeah we've got in in Ossian there's a family that still come down not every time but um there Sue was just one of this incredible lady who was she was just such a such an amazing lady and she died in 2021 but they still come down and um yeah And something we've not touched on is the opposite, which is the lives that you save as a consequence of 5K your your way. And that that isn't necessarily even cancer related, because this is something that I always preach about, especially for some of the curable cancers. 
you know, essentially you are and have the potential to make real lifestyle changes for patients. So those patients who are coming through radiotherapy for prostate cancer, breast cancer, you know, the the survival rates are brilliant for those types of cancers. And actually having contact with us every single day where we have the opportunity to promote physical activity, lifestyle changes, smoking cessation, alcohol reduction. Actually, I think 5K your way can introduce exercise to someone who's never considered it before previously in their life. And actually, you know, they may not go on to develop cardiovascular disease because they take up exercise as part of their treatment for cancer, which sounds ironic, but we know that it has that potential to make those real lifestyle impacts. I Yeah, do you know, I sometimes, um, I mean, I think that's a big, <laughs> not sure we can say that 5K you always save lives. I'd love to say that. Um, I don't think we can say that, but no, let's right, let's say it for our rad chat podcast. <laughs> <laughs> potentially, it could do. Um, but I, yeah, it, I mean, you do. So, so Lizzie, who who you guys know, who who started coming to the group in Nottingham and now leads the group in Nottingham and is our safeguarding lead and helps basically helps lead five k your way. Um, she's more active after her cancer diagnosis, in part through. 5k your way in part through the care program which was an exercise program for people with cancer um and yeah theoretically there is a chance that you know if her cancer never comes back which is unlikely to then because she's more active she might have a longer life expectancy and I I sometimes say that to my young men with very early stage testicular cancer because they've been told they've got a cancer and a young man being told you've got cancer even if the chances are extremely good that you're cured just with surgery you've still had to face up to your mortality when you're 25 or whatever um but if for example their lifestyle is not particularly healthy and they're smoking lots they're drinking lots they're overweight I do some and I never know how it how it comes to patients actually how they take you know whether it's a good thing or not but I do say if you use this as an opportunity to make those lifestyle changes that you've been wanting to make for so long, then there's a, a fairly good chance that this cancer might actually extend your life because it's probably not going to come back. And if it can trigger you to stop smoking and do all of that, then that's a really big positive. Um, but it's a quite a difficult conversation to have in a way that uh, it's probably not the one that I'd have on the first time I meet them, one that me once I've known them a, li- a little bit. <laughs> So Lucy, obviously we've talked specifically about 5k away. Um, I was very fortunate to start a group in the pandemic and then I got a new job so I had to hand it over to my friend Shannon but then um, I've now convinced <laughs> Joe to join. Um, how do more... You guys are awesome. <laughs> obviously people can't see us but we've been very nerdy and we've got our 5k away jazzy's tops and stuff on. I had to go and remember to put mine on. <laughs> so yeah, 5k away it is... There's how many groups across the country? We've actually got 80, 87 active groups. Um, so, yeah, we're, we we need to have a bit of a strategic think about whether we want to grow, how quickly we want... Well, we do want to grow ultimately, but how quickly we grow, how much we invest on um, the existing groups. Um, and actually, we do need some more money, really, to allow us to grow because we're, we're basically a person charity, so we just... we. We can't keep growing and employing people. I'm not paid by the charity. I always put that in just because um, I hate asking people for money. But for me, if people know that I'm not paid by the charity, then I feel much more able to kind of promote fundraising and stuff because I I would find it really hard if it was going to pay me. But it's not. So there you go. (laughs) Just throwing that in. (laughs) How do more people get involved? So obviously we've talked about patient kind of representatives or volunteers but also as people like joe and i or healthcare professionals so if you so our website is 5kyourway.org um and we're on twitter instagram and facebook we've got quite an active 5k your way move against cancer group on facebook um if you're a healthcare professional and want to get involved then just just get in touch all that we can you can put all your emails and things we can put those in the podcast stuff can't we um if you're nervous if you've got cancer being affected by cancer know someone who's been affected with cancer and you're a bit nervous about coming down to a group just give it a go so there there is there will there will definitely you'll never last there's always a part run there's always tail walkers at the back 
nothing makes our groups happier, our ambassadors happier than people who come down and walk. And if you add on to that, nothing makes us happier than people who just walk a little bit and then the next time walk a bit more. Um, and if you, you know, you're not sure, just come down, maybe even just have a coffee. Um, I, I promise you, you'll get a nice welcome. Um, we've got some, we're trying to revamp our website because actually I think we don't sell what we do on the tin very well. Um, but there are some quite nice BBC clips that summarise what the what the groups are about um, as well. Yeah, but we're, we're not a running club. So if that's my one take care message, we are definitely not a running club. Yeah, I think sometimes with the park run link, that's what people are fearful of. And I know when I first went to my ever 5k your way, I had been training ahead of going 5k your way going I've got to be able to run 5k um and it wasn't like that at all and it was actually really supportive <laughs> I will take you back to Roger who's 78 who's stopped treatment for his bowel cancer because it stopped working and he walks it and he inspired Jackie who's also you know not a spring chicken and she has two crutches and she walked it and they took maybe an hour and 20 minutes but they did it their way and they built up to it um so if Roger and Doreen can do it, then absolutely you can do it. <laughs> oh, Lucy, honestly, it's been amazing to have you on. Um, I'd just like to take this opportunity to say it's a pleasure to be able to support 5K Your Way. And it's a charity that I didn't know existed as part of um, my training. And also being a therapeutic radiographer, I'd never heard of it. So it's brilliant that it exists. And I would strongly encourage anyone out there who works with oncology patients to consider just going along, even if it's just for one, to see what's available to then support patients um, and hopefully help prescribe some physical activity as part of their treatment. And before you go, I completely forgot to mention our January 5K Your Way Challenge. Um, this is a great way to kick off your 2020, 2023 by getting yourself moving, but also donating some money to a charity that really does change lives. It's really simple. There are five challenges in January, each one starting on a Friday and lasting a week. So the first week is still ongoing right now. Each week, your challenge is to use your body to move 5k your way. You can run, you can walk, you can cycle, you can kayak, you can skateboard, you can do any modality of self-powered movement that you enjoy. If 5k in one go is too much, no worries at all. You can amalgamate a few shorter distances together and you just enter the combined time. Each weekly challenge costs £5 and every single penny of that £5 goes directly to Move Charity. Um, you can enter your time manually, use a stopwatch, uh, or link your Goblin Connect account or Strava account or whatever. Anyway, uh, we oh, and if you do all five challenges, you get a really cool medal. Um, I know money's tight for everyone right now, but I'd love as many of you as possible to get in board. Kickstart your 2023 by moving 5k your way once a week in January. Uh, all information, if you go to 5kyourway.org, and then look for the Erdinger Alcohol Fry 5K Your Way Challenge. And Naaman uh, will put a link in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to Rad Chat. Your hosts today have been Joe McNamara and Norman Jolka Anderson. A huge thank you again to our guest, Dr. Lucy Gossage. If you're utilising this podcast for CPD purposes, consider the reflective questions posted along with links to resources and literature that we've discussed. To receive your accredited CPD certificate, please complete the Google form linked along with this podcast. So our next guest feature will be Jane Hall, who will be discussing her role in setting up a late effects service. Thank you all for listening and take care.